Okay, JH. Yes. Got a. Um, well, this is this is the episode that was promised. Yes. Yeah. So we've, we've teased it a few times. Win-win selling. Yes. Secrets revealed. Ooh. Yes. Look, spoiler alert. They're not secret. <laughs> Look, well, it's, some would call secret. Others would call obvious. Sometimes yeah, you know. I, I get where you, I get where you're coming from. I mean, we've we've talked about these consistently, um, and. I think this episode just allows us to get into a little bit more detail with them. Yes, exactly. And I think that's, you know, but I think too, they they get overlooked. Or maybe not overlooked, but they can kind of get ignored in the process, particularly when we get emotional selling the house and we need this for it or we want this for it or, you know. and, and It's probably more of the fact that pe- because they're so obvious, people don't actually acknowledge it. Yeah, I and then when maybe. when you draw attention to it, they're like, "Ah, oh, yes, yeah, yeah, that old chestnut, that one." <laughs> and then so once once we've had a chat about that, and and I guess I've got up on a little bit of a soapbox because it's something I'm pretty passionate about. Uh, but then we get into <laughs> making gin at home. <laughs> I don't ever get on a soap. I don't know what you're talking about. Soapbox. I don't even own a soapbox. Okay, box. fine. You get on a gin box. <laughs> Let's have a word from our sponsor before you pick on me some more. (laughs) Ready to sell your home? Don't make the rookie mistake of jumping in blind. The first step on your journey is critical. Research. You need to know what your house is really worth to get the best deal. And that's where checkmyhouseprice.com.au comes in. With a free house price report, you'll get all the juicy market intel, recent sales data and other must-have info to help you win big when selling your home. Don't gamble on your home's worth. Make checkmyhouseprice.com.au the first step in your successful selling journey. Visit us today and get your free house price report. Okay, what are the three rules? Look, the, the three rules are price the property right, market it well, and make it easy for people to say yes. Make it easy for buyers to make offers. Okay, and- here's okay. so price, obviously, because we're talking to sellers, Yep. Uh, or buyers, because obviously you want to make sure that if someone's got it priced at a particular thing, that a uh, pri- particular price point, that, you know, you're essentially looking at it going, all right, yeah, that seems fair, instead of looking at it going, no, yeah. you know. Um, so price reports, check my house price can help out with that. Oh, obviously, yeah. Obviously, if you're a seller, we don't do that for buyers. You don't do you, that for buyers. Well, any any agent shouldn't actually do it for buyers. They, no, the, if anything, the most they can provide is is like is a, a, sub, a suburb report. Yeah, it's a got, suburb no, report. These are the recent sales, and you've got to kind of make up your own mind. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But then marketing, that is something that you can't do by yourself unless you are really in that field. I find unless like 
you can always put it up on your own social media, mm. but you have to have the audience in order for it to be any value. Otherwise, you're just marketing to people that you know yeah. that aren't necessarily wanting to buy your house. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's more than that because, I mean, obviously there's the real estate portals, which are a huge source of traffic. Um, Facebook's becoming a, a bigger source of traffic as yes. well for real estate listings and real yes. estate agents. And, and that's as real estate agents get better and better at marketing on Facebook. Yes. That's, that's definitely having an impact. So with price, mm. what else would like – yes, it's, I feel that sometimes we skip over. So if you have a new seller that's – they've only ever bought a house. Mm-hmm. We can say check my house price. You submit your details, whatever. What are the the things within the the price that is presented? How can you, instead of just going to a real estate agent, what other avenues can someone actually sort of verify as to whether that makes sense or not? Like, because obviously education is key. That's what we're wanting here. So what I mean is. It's not just a price report. It's also knowing what you have seen within your market, your own current area as well, for like for like. Yeah, look, I I think one of the reasons you get a real estate agent in to do that report is because they're a third party. One of the greatest mistakes and most consistent mistakes I've ever seen working in this industry is homeowners are emotionally invested in their home. Mm-hmm. They're emotionally invested in the property. And so when they go and look at sales that have happened and go looking for comparable sales, often they will actually rate their property higher than what it actually is in terms of the quality of it, how it presents, um, the features of it and so forth. And you will see, you'll see a homeowner or, or a layman and an average person go, Oh, that place has got five bedrooms, but my place has a pool. So that kind of that that kind of matches up, right? It, not really. It, it, it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't because because you have one area that can actually in, ha, be possible for another person to actually occupy that space. Well, hold up. It, it it means that you have a completely different buyer pool. Yeah. Someone who's <laughs> looking for a five bedroom house <laughs> doesn't necessarily want a pool. Well, it's but, and vice versa. But someone who's looking for a five bedroom house is probably not even going to look at a four-bedroom regardless of whether it's got a pool. So it changes the makeup of the the buyer pool that could be attracted to mm. your your property, yeah. right? And therefore, it changes the perceived value of the property. It changes how the market's going to respond to the property. It changes how the property is marketed. It changes all of the emotional triggers. It changes everything. Yeah. And unless you're doing this day in, day out, Unless your your job is literally to go and list and sell property, you aren't going to pick up on that. You're not going to pick up on those nuances, right? As as humans, we will draw a line between the closest dots and go, yeah, that's a straight line. But often it's not. But what I'm so what I'm saying is, like, realistically, what if you're selling? Mm-hmm. This is where you can use a real estate agent to actually understand yeah. as well how they came to that. So if you go and do your own research where you're literally going looking at four bedrooms, two bath and a garage, right? That's that's a set and then you're going, okay. But what about land size? Yeah, no, but that's but where I'm was going. It, when was it built? 
shut up and let me talk. That's what I'm going to be making as the net. You go and find those properties and then you go, hold on, mine is an 800 block, that's a 600 block, right? So that's when you start to do the the comparison and also talking to your agent and going, okay, well, these are what these ones have sold and actually having a conversation instead of just them giving you a CMA and just going, oh, here you go. That's what's if, sold. Actually okay. understanding the If an the agent price. just hands you a CMA, a comparative market analysis, and goes, there you go, and your price is this, don't hire that agent. An agent should be justifying to you why they think it's worth what it is, right? And one of the biggest problems that agents face is if they don't tell you a high price, they won't get the listing. And so some agents will respond to that by putting a higher price on it, even though they know it's not worth it in order to get the listing. Because without listings, agents don't get, they, they don't work, right? They don't get paid because they can't get sales and so forth. The good agent is the one who should be able to give you that CMA, give you the price that they believe it's going to sell at, and then justify that with evidence, and that's hugely important. And evidence isn't, oh, I'm the best marketer, so I know I can get that price. Or I've got all these buyers, I know I can get that price. Or, you know what, I'm a pit bull negotiator. I won't let go when I've got a bone. I will get that price for you. No, that's, that's hyperbole, right? That's, that's sales spin. They should be able to say and put in front of you a report of previous sales, they should be able to put that report in front of you and say, hey, you can see here we actually had three buyers competing for this property. And only one of them got taken out of the market because they obviously they, they purchased this property. But you see these other two buyers here. This is a comparable property to yours. You see this property here. And you see it had two buyers and these buyers were willing to spend up to X amount because you can see that because they've made these offers. That's evidence. And that allows them to justify and show what the market may actually be willing to pay for your property. Mm -hmm. Honestly, you'll find maybe 5% of agents can actually present that evidence because that evidence is something that hasn't traditionally been available and it's now available because of the advent of digital offer platforms and so forth and the ability to track offers coming in and present reports, sales sale activity reports. So you need that evidence. As a seller though, You need to divorce yourself from the emotion. You might think you have a million dollar property. But if the market only thinks it's worth 900, you're not getting a million dollars. And we've come out of this craziness. And yet, look, there is a supply and demand problem. Absolutely there is. But if you're overpriced on your property, they're going to go and buy a different property. Yeah, which means that you're still stuck there. Which means you're still stuck there. And the longer a property sits on the market, the more the market doesn't want it because they start to go, well, what's wrong with it? Yeah. Right? So pricing the property right is really, really important. Now. But also being educated, like knowing that you can self-educate. Because yeah. what I'm saying is there's nothing wrong with you sitting there and going, I, I really appreciate the CMA. Like that's really good and really helpful. You're saying that you can, there's like for like in here. Um explain to me why there's ones that are, let's say, 1.2, right, sold two months ago. 
now you're saying that mine's worth 1.3. Now, some would go, it's 100,000. Others will go, well, yeah, actually, if that's a couple of months ago, what has actually happened in the area in order for you to actually validate that? that it, I mean, it works if, if you can get that. That's fantastic. That works in my favour and yours. But at the same time, I want to make sure, because of what you have presented here, I want to make sure that the price that you're saying, that you're not just saying that in order to get the listing. That you can, like, I'm not worried about marketing and stuff at this point. Educate me as to how you have come to that I think one of of the biggest questions to ask is if, if you're sitting there and they're going, it's we can get 1.3 for this and the comparables, the best comparables are showing 1.2. Turn around and go, what features, what is it about this yeah, house that's what I mean. that makes it worth $100,000 more than that? Yeah. And put them on the spot. Get them just right. And if you get a wishy-washy... And vice washy, versa. Oh, absolutely. If you get a wishy-washy reason that's, oh, you know, in the last two months, we've just seen it, the market's pumped up, and there's no evidence to bump it up, you know, I'm a better agent than that. I, it, it's all hogwash. Mm. Right, that's hogwash. So don't buy into it. No, that's the reason why I'm saying Get that evidence like and they have that they evidence. should try to educate themselves and do their own yeah. research and to ha- actually have a conversation. Yeah. There's more information available now on what properties are worth and why they're worth that yeah. than at any other time in history. Yeah. And there's more information on how to get a feel for what your property is worth mm. than at any other time in history. Yeah. Right. So pricing it right absolutely comes down to separating yourself from the emotion. Mm. Because like we, we all get caught up with, oh, I want my property to sell for, for a million bucks. If it's a $900,000 property, it's not going to happen. If it's a $500,000 property, it's definitely not going to yeah. happen. Right? There's definitely emotion there. Exactly. <laughs> the market doesn't care how you feel about your property or what you think your property's worth. Mm. Your property will only sell for what the market is willing to pay. Yeah. And so we have to disconnect ourselves from the emotion of that first and foremost. Now, you can influence that price. All right, and this is where the marketing comes in. You can influence that price. Your agent can influence that price by presenting the property well, by marketing it incredibly well and smashing that out of the park and making it easy for buyers to make offers. I spent time traveling around the country working with agents and and we'll do an episode on it because I think it's it's a great thing for everybody to sort of be across. But the, the main thing I'm trying to impart onto agents and coach them on is transparency in real estate is the way forward. Mm. And the reason that transparency is the way forward is because the minute you remove the roadblocks to making an offer, you remove the roadblocks to competition and a lack of trust is a massive monumental roadblock to making an offer and to competition, right? And how do you overcome a, a deficit in trust? By bringing transparency into the equation, mm. right? What we see, and this is the hardest sell that I have, the hard, and I've got the data to back it up, the hardest thing I have to convince people of is that buyers make an offer on a property emotionally and they do it on an emotional impulse, and then they they justify logically later. Now, we all do. It doesn't matter if you sell a buyer or whatever. 
We all make purchasing and selling decisions emotionally and then we justify logically. It's how humans are wired, mm. right? But what is happening and what we're now able to track on digital offer platforms is the most common time that offers are made is between 4 and 7 p.m. on the evening commute home from work. So what is happening in those hours for buyers to make an offer, to pull out their mobile phone and make an offer? And it's, they're either sitting around the dinner table because they're already home and they're having a conversation. They don't want to be where they are. They saw the properties at, at the open home on the weekend and so forth. And they're like, you know what? You know what? Let's just make an offer. Let's make, we don't want to be here. We want to move. Let's make an offer yeah. on that place. Commute could be a big, huge thing going, oh, I'm sitting in traffic yet again in for traffic, an yeah. hour. I'm and on I, the damn bus. Yeah. And I'm going home I to a place just, I don't want to be. I, well, I would really like to not have to drive an hour. I That place yeah. that we went and had a look at that was all of 20 minutes away is I'd be, really I'd appealing at the right moment. Now, right? We've <laughs> yeah. all seen the billboards. If you lived at this new estate, you'd be home by now. You know, we've all seen it. Mm. And it does speak to it. And so we make it, as human beings, we make a decision emotionally and often on impulse to satisfy that pain, right? We're sitting on that bus and we go, oh, that's a pain, mm. right? There's a, there's a pain, an emotional pain we're feeling because we don't want to do something. We want to avoid discomfort. We will make, if it's within our budget, we'll make a million-dollar offer on a property mm. to avoid the pain that we're feeling in that moment. It sounds ridiculous. Please understand. I know what I am saying and I know how ridiculous it is. Yeah, because you do it. data <laughs> backs it up. 100% I do. I know I do it. Christ, Every, we, everyone I, does it. Absolutely. So obviously marketing. Now, yeah. I know a lot of people go marketing what you advertise in the newspaper and you put it up on yeah, Facebook. Marketing, it's so much more. Marketing is capturing that emotion. So we've just talked about how buyers do and, and human beings as a whole, we make decisions. We make purchasing decisions, selling decisions emotionally. Mm. So the marketing, good marketing will inspire that emotion. Good marketing will make potential purchasers feel something. They'll feel a, a desire, a want, a need for this property. Yeah. This property will solve the, the issues, the pain points, the, the problems that I have attached to my current residence, mm. my current situation, right? And by me making this purchase, I'm going to solve these problems. Because when we, when we break it all down, this is what it comes down to, right? We're making a purchasing decision to solve a problem in our world. Yeah. Right? That problem is causing us some sort of pain, whether it's physical, emotional, it's Mental. irrelevant. It's, it's causing us some sort of pain, right? And so we will make that decision mm -hmm. to avoid pain yeah. and avoid discomfort. And so therefore the marketing must tap into the emotion that we believe we want and that we can achieve by purchasing whatever it is. Mm. It's, it's, this is literally marketing 101. It's, it's the job of marketing. Yeah. Every time we see an ad for a car, chocolate bar, it doesn't matter. So, okay. So this is where I, because, you know, I am doing a lot of stuff for real estate agents myself when it comes to marketing yes. for them. Yes. For listings and things like that. So these days, it's not like it's still a section within your local newspapers, but it's nowhere near as big. It's nowhere near it's, as it's big nowhere as, near what as it was. interactive. And and I think that the buyers of today want to be able to interact with the property. Well, that's it. And then we also have um, you know, your reels and stories. 
as well as a post on Facebook and Instagram, I feel that those are from the stats that I see for real estate agents that I am working with. If they aren't doing those four basic ones, I really feel that they're not doing as much marketing as they potentially could. I was, okay. So I was, I was at a workshop, I was at a workshop recently and I was actually presenting at this workshop and, and training in that. And before it was my turn to get up and train what I was going to be training to these these real estate agents, a real estate agent up the back put up his hand and basically challenged the value of social media. And, cool. Sorry. Yeah, and, and said, raise your hand here if you've had any ROI whatsoever from marketing on social media. I doubt anyone will raise their hand. Every single hand in the room went up, bar his. And... I would just like to say to people, if you have an agent that says that they don't understand why social media works or doesn't think it works, then... Yeah, look, I I would be hiring somebody else. (laughs) Um, Because even social media marketing done, I don't want to say badly, but done in a minimal way has an impact and a positive impact. And we've got got the data to, to show that and to see it. And, you know, I found this interesting. And my point there would be social media is so vitally important because we spend so much of our time on it Mm. every day. It doesn't matter whether it's TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, all of it. We spend so much of our time on it and surfing reels. It's it's kind of become our, oh, I'm bored. I need, you know, I've got five minutes of nothingness, so I'm just going to scroll, right? And it'll be my zone out time. If you can leverage imagery and video to inspire emotion in the marketing on social media Mm. your property is living in the palm of their hand Mm. at the times that they're most receptive and as Australians we love property we have an obsession with property yeah and if you whether you're actually buying or not it doesn't matter like people just love it and and if you can and and you're and when I say you I'm, I'm talking about if you're agent so the agent you're hiring can really build marketing that captures that emotion to start. Mm. That's a huge thing. Mm. And then they present the ability to dive deeper down the rabbit hole. Mm. Things like 3D virtual tours or walkthrough videos or a huge range of photos and floor plans. But it's all high quality. Mm. And it's all photographed and videoed and created with the idea of continuing that emotional journey of solving the problem that moving from where you are right now to or where the, where the prospective purchaser is right now to where they want to be, mm. right, you're solving that problem. Buying this house will solve that problem. Mm. And I think that that is a, a, a huge thing mm. because we've all seen the meme. I love the meme, right? Take my money. That's what happens. If someone can solve a genuine pain point for us, if someone can solve something that, that hurts and upsets us, and can help us avoid that pain and discomfort, we'll just go take my money. Yeah. Right? And so, and, and I know we're, we're kind of getting really in the weeds with this uh, on the marketing. Own, and, and it's not a, yeah. hey, you should do a virtual tour. You should do this. You should do that. Because all of these things can work and none of them can work at the same time. The thing that determines whether or not it works is how effectively 
that marketing strategy can capture emotion I, on whatever platform I, and format you I think you're on. it's also for me as a layman who has come into real estate, I think for me what I'm trying to get at here is I'm looking at it as though, you know, like it's all well and good to say marketing. Yeah. Right? But if you're – if and there's plenty of people out there that – the, the marketing that they have is when there's an ad that's in front of them. Yeah. That's it. Oh, so there's, and there's when, a lot of and, shit marketing out there. And, and so when I'm saying, you know, like let – when I say marketing, I'm I'm thinking about those people that are going, well, yeah, like they got me in the newspaper and they made a post on their Facebook. What I'm saying is That's not marketing, that, that's advertising. But no, but, but there's even, a difference. But there is a difference. There yeah. is a difference, but if you've put a post on their, they've put a post on their Facebook page, right? They haven't boosted it or anything. There's nothing there. That's still a way of marketing, essentially. No, that's advertising. The, see, the marketing, marketing, advertising is okay. You can print out a flyer that says "missing dog." You're advertising the fact that there's a missing dog, right? Marketing is taking it to that next level. Marketing is telling the story. Yes. Okay. So when Beloved they do- family dog answers to the name Spot has a gorgeous soft silk coat, Will, is friendly to everybody and loves Pat's missing. Please return him, right? That's marketing. Well, hold on, hold on. <laughs> marketing so, is storytelling. Advertising is just telling that there's something for sale. Yeah, no, I'm talking about a post that's got the whole caption as to why you love, why this... This property is for you. And then, you know, it's got the video of the listing that draws you in so that yep. you stop and you read the story as to why I need to have yep. this okay. property. Okay, so we're, we're starting the market. Yep. The market, yep. right? I'm not talking about, uh, you know, oh, check out, this is a new listing. I'm not yep. talking about that. I'm talking about, you know, even having a testimonial and things like that. That is marketing. Yep. Because that's drawing you in to go, this is the reason why I need to sell your property, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I understand that staging and presentation also works into marketing just like yeah, marketing was, does work into advertising. But what I'm saying is as a layman who is not in the advertising and marketing world mm-hmm. because there is a lot of well, the population you, you is. Are. I am. Yep. But there's people out there who are buying and selling, uh, who are purchasing and selling properties that when they are presented a CMA and they're like, that's the reason why I'm worth the value that of commission that you will pay a, me a from. CMA, a CMA never justifies the real estate what agent's I, value. What I am saying... Right is when they go oh five hundred dollars for for Facebook marketing, mm. right and advertising. What I want is so that people out there who aren't actually under or don't know mm. because they've never had it explained to them mm. as to what okay what does it mean when they have Facebook advertising and marketing. What does that actually mean? What should that cover? I think that's the better question. What should that be? Right. Yeah. Because it, it means a different thing to a different to every different agent, right? An agent might charge you five hundred dollars to just put a post up. They're not going to put in the ad spend because it's the cost of admin people and taking the photo, like yeah. and and the work and coming up with this incredible script. Facebook advertising should be paid ad spend, and you should be paying for the ad spend and the content creation, yeah. right? 
I disagree strongly with the posting it on their social media page just as an organic unpaid post, right? They should be doing that anyway because they want to sell the house and they get paid. And it costs well, them nothing to do that it, bar five minutes uh, of time. Plus the fact that it's also and on their own I know own I've just pissed faith. off a few real estate agents, but I honestly, I really don't care. Up your game is my message because yeah. what people should be paying for in, under that Facebook or social media marketing should be the, the paid mm. advertising, the paid um, reach mm. and, and turning it into an ad, as well as the content creation, mm. right? So creating the content for social media. Mm. And, and that's what that, that money should be going towards. Yeah. yeah. And obviously letting you know as the, the seller, like when you have gone live, yeah. when they have gone live with that post so that you can jump onto their page and be like, hey, guys, get a load of my place. It's just gone up. Oh, so you can you support know, it organically yeah, as well. Exactly. And there should be reporting coming back saying, hey, this is how much we've spent. This is how many people it's got in front of. This is how many people have watched X amount of the video. This is how many people have clicked through to the website. Because we, we can track all it. We've got all of that data available yeah. to us. Yeah, so that's what I, I mean. Because as far as – because, you know, you have said quite a few times – about transparency and that type of information mm. I feel that if you actually had that presented to you to go you know oh my page like you can do a health check on that agent's and on Facebook that page yeah. to see as to how many followers they've got you know as uh, to look, how I, regularly they are actually that's, that's posting the one. like how regularly are they posting what's the quality yeah. they're posting how active because are the they because one, the one thing you know it used to be that Likes on a page indicated how good yeah, they Yeah, and we know right? that... But but likes, Facebook have gone away from likes. Yeah. And they've moved away from likes. You know, we we spend... It's the engagement. Stupid amounts of money every so single month. when I say engagement, it's the amount of time that someone has actually looked at it. Looking at the posts, it, the they, photos they're the, clicking on, the, watching the video. It. All of this type of stuff is like actually in Facebook and they yep. have the ability of giving this information to you. So that's one thing that if you go, hey, can you tell me more about where it's at, that you can actually have a look. Because yep. if it's low numbers, and when I mean low numbers, if you've got a population of, let's say, 300,000 and they've got in front of like, mm, let's say, 550. Oh, that's terrible. That's 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 <laughs> the, worse than then, organic. Yeah, so that's when you have to yeah. go, okay, well, what happened to my $500 if you've just yeah. said that you, you, you've posted the, it? Look, the, the general rule, the general rule of thumb, um, and and if they're doing a super target, so one of the things that I see, because I'm, I'm a judge for the REIQ Awards. Yes. Right, for the yes. REIQ Awards for, for excellence. So I see a lot of different things. And there's there's two things that I'll, I'll say without breaching any confidentiality or anything like that. First and foremost is the general rule of thumb that I teach agents is they should be spending about 20 to $30 per thousand people reached, mm. right? That the, the ad's gotten in front of. Mm. Uh, that can go up. That can be up as high as $60 at times. But if you're spent 500 like, and you're seeing it's, oh, you know what? It's costing $200 per thousand people reached. That's a problem. That's a massive problem. Mm. The only time that that is acceptable is, and this is where, you know, I've seen luxury campaigns that have been run and they're hyper-targeted. They're really super interest targeted. Mm. So they've only actually got like maybe 7,000 people in the pool. Yeah. Right. And they've spent a fortune in targeting those 7,000 people. 
But how many of those 7,000 people have actually clicked through to actually have a look? That's the thing. Or nearly, even viewed? Nearly 2,000 of them. Okay. Right? So we've got a huge click-through, like a 30% click-through rate is, is what it's called. So when someone clicks through to go and actually have a look at yeah, my yeah, information, yeah. it's yep. a click-through rate. And so... Sorry, I shut you down because I knew what you were talking you knew. about. <laughs> Not everyone else did, but that's all right. Um, that click-through rate, you know, industry standard, we're usually pretty happy with somewhere between a 1% to 3% click-through rate, mm. right? So they've hyper-targeted a campaign and like super hyper-targeted a campaign and really got the right audience for that property, got a huge click-through rate, even though all of the numbers are low for the dollars spent. Mm. And I've seen this a lot over the last five years, mm. right? And that's the only time that having that cost climbing up. Now, to do a hyper-targeted campaign like this requires a serious level of skill. Yeah, yeah. Right? This is the average agent who's hitting the boost button and sending it out to a geographic patch. That's not hyper-targeted. No. That's geographically targeted. Yeah. I'm talking they're targeting people where their kids go to this particular school and they have an interest in this particular thing because only people with a net worth of over X million dollars have, you know, that sort of thing. Mm. Right? And then in these areas because they know that these areas are in buying mode right now. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So. That's that's a really really next level high skilled campaign and agent, um, and and executed well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's when when I was talking about marketing, I wanted it so that people could actually understand. Yeah, because one thing that we all know, knowledge is power. So being able to talk and ask these types of questions, if they can't answer it, you should be asking yourself why. Yeah. Because if you are genuinely sitting there going, I'm worth this, and you ask the question of, well, what's your click-through rate with, you know... Look, they, or they even should just be able your, to present what, a report on previous campaigns to yeah, show what they've what, been able to achieve. What's the engagement that you normally have? Yeah. And if they sit there and they're looking at you going, uh, that's when you should be going, okay, do, how, who looks after your marketing then? Because... They, they should be the ones that should be able to answer this question for me. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, at the same time, you're not going to have – it all depends on the population that's actually on Facebook during that time and, as well. And yeah, absolutely, in the geographic areas that you're targeting. And so but, yes. Most, most campaigns will be targeted geographically, and that's fine. That works brilliantly as well. But we have also touched on the whole making it easy to make offers we've, as well. we've already gone through it we kind of yeah. went one three two yeah we did um because we normally i noticed do. how much over time we are so let's 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 jtm it up a notch okay too easy let's see which rabbit holes we're going down in this episode it's time for jtm it's jthought moment it might be drinking whiskey pork pork smoking meat podcast the story writing treasure hunting you name it what's really great I'm perplexed by this one comment. Uh, is it is it a correct comment or is it wrong? Make a gin live. Oh yeah, we're not going to do that. that, oh, that right. was, yeah, no, we don't have the I stuff was like, to do it. Make we it, haven't been organised. Make a gin live, and then I'm like, no, I don't think hey, it's I'm supposed for, to. I could. I'm, I, we can go get a bottle right now, and we'll just make a gin live in my stomach. I'm I'm down for that. <laughs> 
Look, I'm trying to stay awake, so... We've got be. so many more reps to do today. We, um, I'm struggling, so, so... this... All right, this JTM came about in the most hilarious of ways because it was a real blonde moment for me. See, up until... I don't know when it was. I think it must have been... Was it your birthday last year? How is this a blonde moment? It's a blonde moment because, remember, I got you gin-making kits for your birthday. Yeah, I'm aware. Right. I didn't know until I went down that rabbit uh, hole I that know gin know. was just vodka or neutral alcohol. Oh, vodka. With juniper berries. Yes. I did not know that at all. Had no clue. And this was a monumental revelation because for me at that moment, and I know that there's a lot of people going, really? Okay. But then I went down the rabbit hole of, well, if all it is, why can't I just get a bottle of vodka, soak juniper berries in it, and make my own gin? And guess what? And surprisingly enough, that's exactly what you can do. That's exactly <laughs> what you can do. In fact, you can Surprise. get a gin-making kit. Oh, well, we, I, you know, we got a couple on Amazon. You, yeah, you did get me a couple. And and we... I think went, we've still got, got some sitting in there. We we do. And we can, keep, we can make some more. We just need to get some vodka. And maybe we go do that after this. But... You literally just put some juniper berries in and yeah. then you put some other bits and pieces, you know, maybe some orange peel, some lime peel, some cardamom, you know, whatever whatever flavours that you like. Or you could do what you did and decided hey, to bring in the AI. That don't brought, do that. It was not <laughs> nice. It so was for, bad. For my birthday this year, I went, I had this great idea and I'm like, you know what we should do? And this is we what should, JTMs are. Yeah, yeah. We should get, and it was, I think it was on the morning of my birthday, I've woken up. And I've had this JTM lying in bed having having my coffee and gone, you know what we should do? We should get the AI to come up with gin recipes we can make at home. I remember that have this. Never been made before. And some like quite honestly, I, I feel that it could have been the base that was actually playing into the the I no, I think I think what it was is because the AI doesn't really understand flavor in the sense of when too much is too much. Or how much is too much? So you're telling me that, that ten cloves in a liter <laughs> bottle isn't good? It was. It was. It, it was, was terrible. It was so spoons. bad. It was, it was two tablespoons. It was so bad. <laughs> you could have a sip of. I, so it, I tried you, to, you couldn't okay. feel your tongue because of the cloves. You couldn't. So. <laughs> and then it didn't really <laughs> taste that great anyway. It didn't taste it because you. I mean, oh, it was hilarious. Oh, we wasted so much vodka that day, but. It was fun to do. Like we we made a whole heap of different recipes and stuff like that. But I, I think the AI who'd, didn't understand. Who'd have thought that a computer program didn't, is still didn't understand yet to... where you know how much was too much? And I think I think the flavors. I think if we modified the recipes, it would have worked really. You know well. what? Side note: I reckon the day that um, that you have an AI that can actually produce a recipe that doesn't need to be tweaked or anything and comes out perfect. Where, where it's it's created of its... like it, of, It's yeah. created and it is spot yeah. on where people just go, oh, my God, that's amazeballs, right? Will be the day that someone goes, aha, well, you know how to make smell-o-vision. <laughs> Simpsons did it. Well, no, not Simpsons. Futurama did it, but Matt Groening did it. Yeah, well, man. Yeah. Smell of vision is a yeah. thing in Futurama. Yeah. yeah, no, I know, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah. As soon as you can do that, then that means that, you know, potentially the AI will then be able to 
go down the path of um, creating smell-o-vision. But anyway, back to making gin. <laughs> so I'm, I'm actually just looking for the AI um, gin recipes on my phone, but I'm not – I think I might have – oh, no, there we go. Master distiller gin making. Um, so the the way that you do it, and it's it's literally as easy as we've hinted at, is you get some juniper berries. And Which you can just buy. You can just buy. Like buy I've, I've got like twenty packets. Yeah, in I know. Uh, I'm aware. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get some vodka. There's some vodka on special at Dan's. We'll go and get some and make some tonight. Good old Uncle Dan. Good old Uncle Dan's. And you soak the juniper berries in the vodka for. In the vodka. In the vodka for a couple of days. Like yeah. it can be up to a week. You know, search online. There's a heap of different recipes. Everyone's got their own different idea, right? Yeah. And then you strain it. And pull out the juniper berries and then you add other flavors to it. Or you can throw it all in together depending on how you want to do it. And, you know, you can add dried orange pieces. You can add... I you mean, can add fresh. You know, pepper. You can add whatever you want, essentially. Yeah. I actually think the dried is better because I think that's one of the other things that went wrong with the AI one is we used fresh. Like we used fresh orange and, and things like fresh cucumber and stuff. And I It's think because you, have, you still have the zinginess... Yeah. As opposed to just the oils. And and I think that's what... Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Perfect. And I think that that made it better. Because when we made the ones from the gin kits, it was obviously using dried ingredients and they'd been dehydrated, which meant all the oil had concentrated within it. So when we added the alcohol or added it to the alcohol, mm. the oil kind of came out and, and got unleashed, in, mm. you know, and soaked through the... <laughs> unleashed. <vodka>. Unleashed. <laughs> um, and that worked so much better than adding fresh. Yeah. And I think I think that was a huge thing. But... Yeah, you can and, – and look, you can use AI to get AI to create recipes that have already been created. Where I think we went wrong is we got the AI to create ones that had never been created before. No, don't bring me, we into this. I <laughs> the, Like, you're the one that typed this stuff in there. I did. I did not help you do this. Like, like here you, you go. You went on citrus, your little rabbit, rabbit hole and I just let you sit there and do your yep. thing. Citrus style. I didn't let you. Infusion. You were going to do it anyway. Yeah, well, that's it. <laughs> that's, that's the joy of a JTM, right? Like, nobody gets to stop me. Uh, one cup fresh lemon slices, one cup fresh lime slices, one cup fresh orange slices. And I think that's, that, that was a, an issue is because you got that, that sort of deteriorating, <laughs> degrading kind of, even though it was in alcohol. Uh, I'm laughing because our dog is actually at the window. Yeah, his, our little can statue. can hear us talking. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, one cup fresh pink grapefruit slices, one tablespoon whole coriander seeds, one tablespoon whole fennel seeds. And a tablespoon of juniper berries, zest of one lemon, zest of one lime. I think if we use dried slices there, we cut the fennel down to minimal or just take it out completely. I think the fennel was what threw that off and potentially do you, cut do you the know, coriander down. Do you know bit. what? I reckon if you already had a gin mm. and you were putting this in as a flavouring into... So you're talking you had a base gin, just you, a straight uh, juniper just, gin? Just a straight juniper bi yeah. <laughs> bin gin already right and you're wanting to actually make a cocktail yeah those flavors would work like fresh works better instead of letting it sit does that yeah, make sense yeah, absolutely so unless that's what the ai was thinking was you were saying i want to make a gin think it's thinking because you know it's only a program going oh they're wanting to make a, a gin to drink yeah now not realizing that no i need it to actually ferment and actually create um, a flavoring. I want it to be infused, not flavored. Yeah, because when yeah. you when you make a cocktail, you're flavoring it. You're not and, and, infusing it. And that could it. have been it. But does look, that make sense? At the, at I may have just day, cracked it. Maybe, 
I, I think I definitely think we use too much fennel and and too much. No, you used. Don't bring we into this. <laughs> did you or did you not help stick things in the jar and to add to the alcohol? I was going. Uh, I'm not making that because I don't like those flavors. So it's definitely not you, a we. You you were making some. I made one. Yeah, I exactly. think you were, you were involved in, in. I was involved in one citrus citrus garlic. I think I called that one. No, you were involved in the cucumber one. No, I do not take responsibility for that one. I think you should. You like cucumber. It's all your fault. <laughs> but the moral of this JTM is in order to make gin at home, all you need is vodka, some juniper berries and whatever flavours you Do you want. know what I would really like to try? What's that? Is rice vodka with it. We can do that. We'll, we'll report back to you. We'll, yeah, we'll, go we'll, make, we'll let you know. We'll, we'll come back. We'll, we'll do some more. Yeah, yeah we'll do some more gin. We'll, we'll make some gin at home tonight and we'll report back to you. Because I feel that a rice gin, or sorry, a rice vodka, a potato vodka, and what other type of vodka is there? There's a juniper. Uh, it's a, a, a grain vodka. A grain vodka. So I reckon if we got three different vodkas, and did three different recipes, and or even the same recipe, and, and taste the, the difference, and taste the difference. Then we would be able to give them everyone a verdict as to. Did you just STM my JTM? Yep. Excellent. You're, and you're welcome. Excellent. Did you just give us an excuse to go buy a heap of vodka and make some gin at home? Sure. I mean, I'm down for that. Are you <laughs> <laughs> surprise?